Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of the Gospel of Mark is focusing on the busy, productive, and life-changing work of Jesus in action. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Good morning, friends, and welcome back to today's episode of Everyday Truth. So glad you joined us as always. Have a really interesting postcard today. It's the Boba Guys, Bay Area. Have you ever had a Boba? I think that's those are those bubble drinks. I'm pretty sure if I'm wrong, I'm sorry about that. But uh, I guess this is a chain or a particular store out in uh, California. But whatever it is, uh, Victoria Ayala from Sonoma County, California, thank you for sending me this postcard. Victoria tells me that she's been listening to me preach ever since I used to preach at the West Coast Youth Conference. So that's been a few years back. Victoria, thank you for uh, being so faithful. And I love the the stamp that you chose. It's a Charlie Brown stamp. Is that the coolest stamp or what right there? So Victoria, thank you for listening to the podcast. We are in Mark chapter 15 today. If uh, you're following along, we're going to be in verse number 15. So Mark 15, 15, Jesus is standing before Pilate. Uh, Pilate is doing everything he can to extricate himself from the culpability of having to indict what, whom he knows to be an innocent man. And we're in verse number 15. And so, and so Pilate willing to content the people. So we've read a couple things in this passage about motive. One thing we read already in this passage, I think last episode, was the fact that Pilate knew that Jesus was innocent. And he knew that the reason the religious leaders had brought Jesus before him had nothing to do with breaking the law. He knew that it had nothing to do with a capital offense. He knew that they were just envious. And envy, it's interesting in the Bible, envy often is the predecessor of murder. You'll see that. Remember in Genesis chapter 37, Joseph's brothers were envious and then they intended to murder him. If you look at that list of sins in Romans chapter 1 or the works of the flesh listed in Galatians chapter 5, you'll find in both instances it's envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, the whole long list, but you see envy, murder, envy, murder. So one is a motive, the other one is an action. You want to kill that which you're envious of. So we see that here. That certainly took place in the trial of Jesus. And watch what the Bible now says secondly about motive. Verse number 15, and so Pilate willing to content the people. So there it is. Pilate is the ultimate politician. He's not a statesman. He's not going to do what's right because it's right, regardless of what people think about it. He's not going to make a decision as a leader based upon principle. He knows what's right. He knows who's right. He knows what's wrong. He knows who's wrong. And yet the Bible says the basis for the decision that Pilate makes in Mark 15, 15 is he just wants to content the people, make them content, wants to please them. 
And of course, we know the Bible principle, and that is that the fear of man bringeth a snare. When we do what we do for popularity's sake, when we do what we do because we're afraid of what people will think about us, we want to please them first, then we're always going to bring a really complex situation into our lives, as did Pilate. So the Bible says here in verse number 15, that willing to condemn the people released Barabbas unto them. So not only did he not release Jesus, but now he's let a, a, a murderer, a convicted murderer, murderer back out into the public arena. Then the Bible says, and he delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. So scourging, and of course, you know, the. I'm sure you've heard uh, all of the details about the cat of nine tails and the whipping and the beating. And suffice it to say that these Roman soldiers took sadistic pleasure in bringing pain and torture upon these criminals. And their whole purpose was to bring the maximum amount of pain without killing the victim. They wanted to keep him alive, like a cat and mouse, uh, wanted to play with, toy with, torture the victim, but keep him alive. The Bible gives some descriptive uh, words about Jesus. The Bible says in Old Testament prophecy that he was marred beyond any man, that he wasn't even recognizable as a human being that his bones were out of place, that he was tortured in an egregious way. And the Bible says here in verse number 16, and the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium. Now, there's a couple different theories about where this is. Uh, the, the most common one being this is part of the Antonio Fortress. So if you were to look at a topographical view of what we call Temple Mount and look at the rectangle that we call Temple Mount, in the northwestern corner of Temple Mount would be a big fortress area called Antonius Fortress, which was basically a castle-like structure built adjacent to, really on top of that corner of Temple Mount, so that the Romans could have jurisdiction over the Jews' worship place, because that would be the place where tensions would rise, that could be a place where riots would begin. Remember the case with Paul when uh, the riot occurred because they accused him of bring, bringing Greeks into the temple and making uh, defiling the temple, and they took Paul to the Antonio Fortress, a place of safety. Uh, but it was right there, and the Roman garrison was right there. So uh, the Praetorium would be a place of judgment there, in my view. So the Bible says here in verse number 16, they led him to a place called Praetorium, and they called together the whole band. So uh, they are not leaving anything up to chance. They're bringing in numerous soldiers. It's all hands on deck. Why? Because this crucifixion, this capital punishment is going to cause all kinds of passions to flare. Think about it. It's the early hours of the morning. Uh, just at daybreak, they've brought this case to Jesus. It already, passions are inflamed because of the Passover time. People are already thinking about Messiah and thinking about the Elijah coming and all of what's in their conception. And now the people are there and they're worked up into a frenzy. And boy, Pilate knows we need all hands on deck. Look at verse number 17. 
They clothed him with purple. Of course, purple in the Bible, or really in just in history, is always the color of royalty. And one of the reasons for that is because purple dye was among the most expensive dye that you could make. Uh, you had to use uh, clam shells and certain ingredients that were very, very expensive. Therefore, if you had purple, you had money. And so purple was the sign of royalty. So they clothed him in purple because they're mocking him as royal. They're mocking him as being the king of the Jews. And the Bible says they clothed him with purple and plaited a crown of thorns and put it upon his head. So they made, uh, I could show you the bush. It's very common in in uh, Israel, uh, the, the Jesus thorn bush. And the thorns are so long and sharp, and they made kind of a makeshift crown out of thorns. The Bible says they plaited it, which means they pushed and twisted. They pushed and twisted that crown of thorns upon his head, and they put it about his head and began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. So these Roman soldiers that were used to giving respect, that were used to honoring authority, are now mockingly saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They're playing with him. So not only is there physical torture, but there is this mocking, this sarcasm, this cruelty, that all of it together mocking the, the, the creator of the universe, mocking the King of kings and Lord of lords, the one that will stand in that very spot in the millennial reign, the one that you and I will rule and reign with one day in the millennial reign of Christ. He is being mocked now, mocked as being the person that he really is. Look at verse number 19. And they smote him on the head with a reed. You can only imagine taking a stick and striking somebody on the head. And then if that reed struck that crown of thorns, how much more painful that must have been. But they struck him on the head with a reed and they did spit upon him. So to spit on somebody is the ultimate disgrace. A spit in your face, it's the ultimate way to dishonor somebody. And they spit upon him and bowing their knees, worshiped him. Again, feigned worship, feigned respect, the feigned honoring of him as a king, the mocking, the jeering, the beating, the torture, all of it. How very, very sad. And yet, what do we know? We know that all of this, Jesus endured. Every bit of this, Jesus endured for you and for me. This was part of that cup, remember? Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me nevertheless, not as I will. Who would want this? Nobody. Jesus didn't want this in the sense of, I want pain or I want this kind of mockery, but I'm willing, I'm willing, not my will, but thine be done. All of this, every part of this was for you and me. Look at verse number 20. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him and put its own clothes on him. Uh, they didn't want to waste one thing. Purple's expensive. Uh, they wanted to save it. They used it only to mock him, and then they took it away from him, and they put his own clothes back on him, tattered and torn and bloody. Uh, no doubt they were. 
And it says here, and they led him out to crucify him. Sometimes we call this this way to the cross, the Via Dolorosa. Via meaning the way. Via means way. Dolorosa means suffering, the way of suffering. Now, is that a specific road? I can take you today to what is traditionally called the Via Dolorosa. Is that, is that the exact way that Jesus walked? Probably not. But it's a good reminder of the fact that Jesus had to bear that cross, didn't he? From the place of judgment to the place of crucifixion, which would have been outside the wall, regardless of where you put the crucifixion spot, whether that be the Holy Sepulcher, as some believe, or Gordon's Calvary, as others believe. Either way, you have to go outside of the wall of Jerusalem. There's a, there's a road. There are narrow roads. People are gathering along those roads. They're mocking. They're jeering. Some are crying, weeping. Some have compassion. Some are denying. There's a whole crowd. And remember, Jesus is being led with others. There are two others that have been indicted that same morning, thieves, and they are also carrying the cross. And remember in the alternate passage that Jesus falls beneath the, the, the weight of this cross and they compel somebody right there, Simon of Cyrene, a Jewish proselyte that's in town for the feast, no doubt, to carry the cross of Jesus. Jesus says, don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves because within one generation, that very city would be destroyed. That very temple uh, would be destroyed. These very uh, ones that were accusing Jesus, many of many of them would be uh, killed by the Romans within one generation. What a sad, sad day this was. Uh, I am. I'm just looked at my watch and I'm out of time, so we're going to uh, stop there. I, I already kind of cut to the chase a bit about the uh, Simon the Cyrenian, but we're going to come back to him. So let's end there in verse number 20. We'll come back to verse number 21 next episode. Hope you'll join us. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.